Passion, drive, and patience. That's the formula for winning championships and is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. They have superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and much, much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, they've got it all ebay motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber and not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins let's keep your ride or die alive today at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I don't know if there's any consolation prize to you, but if you didn't have your 25 points taken away a few weeks ago, you would be third in points right now. Well, we did, so that doesn't matter, Jared. Well, it's just a cool little stat. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. What's up, guys? Welcome to Accents Detrimental. This is Dover. Um, excited to have you all listening in. Uh, got a week to talk about. We've got some off-track news. We've got uh, some on-track news that uh, we're going to cover from the race. We just had it today. We're shooting here on Monday night. Uh, we'll have this thing for you on first thing on Tuesday. So, um, yeah, so it was a rainy weekend in Dover. Um, well, let's go back first. Uh, to end of last week, um, Alex Bowman, uh, was racing, uh, his sprint car and got injured. Uh, seems like he's got a compression fracture of his spine. Same thing that, uh, I had as well. I was actually wondering why Dale Jr. was asking me, uh, how long I was out during my injury, uh, a few hours before he was just like, Hey, just wondering like how, how long were you out? Oh, he asked you before yeah. news came out. Yeah. And I didn't, I, I didn't understand why. And I was like, and, and for some reason I was like, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks or uh, a couple of months. And I looked back and it was only like four or five races. So, hmm. um, but yeah, it was, you know, there's not a, honestly, not a whole lot of pain. I didn't have a whole lot of pain post, like once they got me all in my back brace and everything, I was, I was okay. Um, but man, the pain was awful when it actually happened, but it looked like it probably happened when the back of the car, the very last tumble that you saw and the, and the back wheels were kind of off, you know, off the car and, and it kind of lands flat right there on, on his bottom. Uh, that probably is what caused that uh, to happen, but very unfortunate. It obviously brought up a lot of uh, debate over, you know, these guys doing uh, extracurricular activities. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm just, of course, the first thing I did is text Ricky and Kyle. It's just like, you know, do you have to be doing this? Like, you know, I know it makes you happy and you love it, but you know what will also make you really happy <laughs> is providing for your family for generations. Like that, 
you know, and I only say that as a friend, right? And then Kyle's like, yeah, but this, but that. And, you know, and I, I heard him say during the uh, media this week, like, you know, he feels like he's escaped death more in a NASCAR cup car than he has in a, in a sprint car. But, you know, I, I tried to explain to him that like, well, it's the, uh, it's an odds thing, right? I mean, the more you do something that is risky and you've gotten away with it for such a long time, eventually the odds catch up. And Kyle, you know, when I watch him dirt race, he is a very aggressive guy. And you saw it during the Bristol dirt race where, you know, I, I talked about, well, he, he a lot of times slides up and just kind of expects, you know, he puts you in a position where you need to check up or else y'all are going to make contact. He, he makes a lot of bold moves that if someone doesn't calculate it just right, like it, it, it could cause him tumbling. And I only say it as like a friend of his and Ricky's is like, you know, I, I know this is such a passion of yours and, and you give back to the community. Uh, but, you know, Joe and has got a different policy on, on sprint car racing for sure. Obviously, C. Bell's not allowed to do it. Um, you know, a lot of his reasoning is that, listen, I've got hundreds of employees here that are counting on you to uh, be the leader of our team. And, 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 you know, I don't know. You know, at the end, I don't know where I stand on it. Um, I've been back and forth on it. Uh, I remember saying that uh, when Chase got hurt, like, this is a, you know, if this is what he needs to do to, um, you know, be mentally healthy, you know, take a break, then, then that's, that's fine. Right. The only difference I guess I could say, and, and, and then Kyle brought up, well, you've blown ACL, you know, both your ACLs, you've got both shoulders that are knocked off and you got to get surgery on one. Like you do things that get you injured. And I said to Kyle, yeah, but basketball is not going to kill me. Right. Like it, it's not, there, it's not going to lead to something terminally where I can't do my job anymore. Right. So, um, I don't know. You know, it, it's a tough thing. Obviously, Hendrick said that they're not going to really change anything, and that's fine, right? But certainly from a friend's perspective, I hate to see – I don't like to see anyone get hurt. No one likes to see, um, you know, this injury for, for Alex, a guy that you know, struggled with injuries over the last 12 months, uh, obviously had some concussions last year in the cup car, and then, uh, man, he got the got the tough end of the injury here in the sprint cars. Uh, so – Wishing Alex well. Hopefully uh, he'll be back soon. I, I'm guessing probably going to be around that four to five week, maybe longer. Um, it just kind of depends on the severity of it. Yeah, I thought it was interesting listening to Kyle and Brad Sweet talk last week on their podcast. Um, I'm going to paraphrase Brad here, and I hope I'm correct in, in what I'm saying. That He mentioned that in the sprint car world or maybe just in the dirt world as a whole, um, because it's it's very grassroots and you know there's a lot of sprint yeah. car racing right it's not just the world of outlaws versus NASCAR NASCAR is always making improvements to the car and safety in the grand scheme of things you know mm -hmm. from 20 years ago there's always these improvements made and in the sprint car world all that happens a lot slower yeah that's fair I mean I, I think that I, I talked to those dirt guys a little bit about you know the safety you know, I'm like well what has changed right the, right. the sprint cars look the same as they did 20 years ago right um, but they said that they, there are advancements, you know, there's extra bars that they've added in. Um, you know, I think that they uh, feel like wing sprint cars are the safer of, of the necessary evil uh, because the wing they feel like helps the crutch zone uh, of the car where you have like USAC cars with no wing, no wings yeah. on top. They just, when they hit flush on the, on the top, it, uh, it usually does some pretty good hard damage. Um, 
and they've also said too that well in this guy's when when he died or this person died they didn't have the proper safety you know there was bars that that we have that they don't have and so again it is it's probably a little looser uh when it comes to um safety and and then whatnot than than what we have in the cup cars that are pretty much mandatory whenever something better comes out i did hear something cool that um they said that casey kane's got like, like these shock absorbers on his seat which that actually makes you know very good sense uh to me um that in those in that instance where you know he's got you know so a cushion um, and I always thought in the cup cars, we should have something like that as well, where, I mean, our seats are so rigid yeah. that w- can we get a little give in the seat, you know, f- forward and aft and side to side, you know, some, maybe some thick rubber grommets or something, something that can allow us to move just a little bit, something else to absorb because our cars are so rigid. We yeah. know that. Yeah. Uh, I guess you're kind of lucky as a team owner for 2311 racing, Bubba and Tyler, don't do too yeah. much uh, racing outside of uh, the Cup Series. But do you have any rules or, like, have you gone over anything with them as far as uh, extracurricular stuff? We haven't, no. We, you know, I think that if you have a driver that, you know, has a history of doing these things or wants to do them, you have those conversations around contract time. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think Bubba or Tyler, the only thing we have in there is, like, go running uh uh, I don't know, an ARCA car, Xfinity car, or truck, you know, we, we have to, we, we have to approve all that stuff. But, um, again, the safety, we feel a little bit more comfortable when it's something that we're controlling for sure. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, uh, last week, um, we, we came up with an idea, uh, about a summer bracket and that kind of took off on social yeah. media. And, um, I, man, it got a lot of got a lot of attention sh- for sure. I it, one of the first texts I got was from Marcus Smith. He's like, "All right, let's talk." You know, this is this is intriguing to me. And then uh, a couple of NASCAR executives as well saying, "Hey, we like this idea. We're going to circle the wagons here and see." And and first thing I said was, "Good luck." You know, getting <laughs> getting everyone there to agree. Uh, but it it seems like you know, if I had to predict, I don't. They're definitely not doing anything like this year. I would say it's less than a 20% next year. They're talking about, well, if we did something like this, maybe it'd be best for... Oh, less than 20% next year. Either. Yeah, probably. I, I don't know if it's a money thing or not, but, I mean, again, they could get somebody to sponsor this thing in two seconds, and it could... It, they need to look at it sooner than later, for sure. In my opinion, I think it's a very good thing, just simply from the, you know, the social interaction of people, yeah. you know, Hey, we're, we created our own bracket series. You know, we're, we're taking the rules in which you set out and we've created our own contest. Um, and so it was cool to see that, uh, how much momentum it got and how excited people were to, you know, think about this head to head. It was very similar to the, the direct TV bracket that happened probably 10, 12 years ago. Uh, but it's a little different, uh, than that. Um, which, we have an exciting announcement. Oh, by the way, for those who did participate and start their uh, bracket tournament this week, there were six up to upsets of higher seeds beating lower seeds. Suarez out. Kyle Busch out. Who, be, who beat these guys? Who did mm, Suarez lose? Why'd you ask me that? I don't know. Going to have to look it up. Um, oh. Oh. Oh, I had it. Um, 
Suarez is out. Kyle Busch is out. Ricky Stenhouse is out. Kyle Larson's out. Joey Logano is out. Chase Briscoe is out. And not an upset by numbers, but this one was a coin toss with Chase Elliott and Ross Chastain. Chase Elliott is out. And most of the brackets that people sent me had Kyle Larson winning. And so, boom, your bracket is busted. But we have good news. Jared, do you want to announce it? Uh, sure. And while I'm announcing it, you can look up uh, the standings pre before today so I can figure out who beat those guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So over the next five weeks, Dirty Mo Media will be hosting a head-to-head single elimination tournament based on finishing position. So pretty much this bracket. Um, and uh, We're going to start this weekend. Coming up. Correct. This weekend's race in Kansas. Uh, so anyone can enter. You go on to dirtymomedia.com. There's a whole bracket there. Um, put in your email. Uh, and it's interactive. So you can select your... I just saw the interface to it. It's really, really cool. Very easy. It's going to prompt you to basically say, pick which one of these drivers. Then it moves on to the next matchup. Pick one of the two drivers, move on. And then it'll move you to the next round. Next round, your bracket will be filled it- out. It's all going to be live. And so um, I want to... Just like how you would do for for March Madness, right? You pick your picks in the first round. You'll get points based on, you know, the weight of of those, right? So first round is 10 points. Second round is 20 points. Third round is 40 points and so forth. Yep. So, yeah, we don't mean to poo-poo on anyone's uh, already started bracket. But um, since we, uh, you know, talked about this last week, there is a grand prize. And we're going to give you a shout out here on... Uh, the podcast as well. We'll update the standings as it goes. And I noticed that uh, I, I when we were kind of setting this up, it was very important that you know you, we're going to have to we're weighing each round, right? Because there'll be so many people that have the same amount of correct picks. So each round, like so, for the first round, you'll get ten points per correct pick. Then it's twenty for the next round, thirty for the next, and, and so on and so forth. So everyone, join in. Let's. Uh, I will. You know, I, I said that I was going to post my bracket, but I knew this was coming, so I didn't do it for this weekend. It's unfortunate for me because the racetracks were really good for me over the next five weeks. The, it, the, if I make it to the finals, it's uh, Sonoma. So, but I'll be honest with you. Uh, if we go to Pit Road, I'm not sure we're going to make it to the finals. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that later. Um, but yeah, so we're going to start that. It's going to come out sometime on Tuesday. Encourage y'all, y'all go to the, you can check it out on Dirty Mo Media's, um, Instagram, Twitter, all that. Let's join in. Let's play a fun game. This should be cool. Yeah. And tracks coming up. So first round is Kansas. Second round will be Darlington. That'll be a good one. Just with the, the way the racing is at Darlington. Um, North Wilkesboro, we got the all-star race following Darlington. So that oh, will count. Well, you can't do that. Yeah. Okay. Right. I was just pointing out the hey, the all-star race. Yeah, yeah, skip at North Wilkesboro. Then you got the Coke 600, uh, St. Louis, and as you said, the championship in this bracket will be at Sonoma, which will just be super interesting on its own. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it, it'd be interesting. I think the and we will reseed them. Is that correct, Travis? No, 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 no we're not. I'm sorry, we're not reseeding from last. We are starting from the point standings now, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, all the numbers and all the matchups that you saw last week. So it's okay. irrelevant. Irrelevant. We don't need to go through it because it'll take way too much. We will post what the matchups are. Get your opinions. Uh, download it. Click it. Submit it. Win prizes. 
What did uh what was the driver's uh reaction? So I got I got a few DMs from from guys saying, dude, this is awesome. I'd be so amped for this. Now I don't know if they're amped about the money or just knowing that it's a head to head yeah. them versus someone else. But I, I this is a this is a layup. This is something that certainly um it, you know, I, I thought about it too. It doesn't it's not a gimmick in the sense of where you're changing the format, you're uh, producing co- you know, nothing changes in the race. We're all still racing for regular season points, bonus points for the playoffs, all that stuff. This just adds another storyline to it, right? Where Fox is going to come in or NBC is going to come in and say, Hey, just a, just a FYI, we got a hell of a head to head here for 16th place between these, you know, the eight seed and the, you know, 22 seed. So I think it just adds more storylines that makes, uh, makes it a little bit more compelling. Um, and so, uh, I'm excited about it. Yeah. It gives you way more to look at, um, and talk about on the broadcast in these three hour race windows when you've got, you know, battle for 20th and 21st, right? That matters. Right. That That, matters. That matters. Right. Yep. So, um, yeah, we had a, a rainy weekend in Dover itself. Um, it, uh, I was surprised that we got, uh, the practice in that we did. Uh, but, but yeah, it was, um, a long weekend in that sense. The Xfinity race, Brian Truex got his very first um, win in the Xfinity series. Uh, you could just, I, I love watching Big Brother be so happy for Little Brother. Uh, you know, everyone's happy for Ryan, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's grinded and he's really tried hard to, to, to make his place in the sport. Uh, he works really hard for Joe Gibbs Racing doing some simulator work for us. Um, but then on top of that, you know, obviously, Martin really pushes for him to get his opportunity here in the Xfinity Series, and then he goes and wins the race, you know, dominated the race, really. And then uh, to see Martin with his phone out, I mean, (laughs) Mr. Antisocial Network, like, you know, got his, you know, video out, and, you know, it's just really cool to see that family and and, uh, sweeping the weekend. It's just, I mean, wow, they couldn't ask for, for a better weekend. So really happy for the whole Truex family. Yeah, and and Ryan, you said a, a guy that um, is trying to make his mark. He's also someone who's not running a full time schedule, right? Yeah. So his opportunities in this nineteen car are limited, and you got to make the most of it. Yeah, it puts them. it puts so much pressure on you as a driver because you know that like, and and that's why you saw him when he didn't have a great run or or he got in a wreck or something, uh, in one of the you know handful of races he's got. He's like, he's extra bummed because he's like, well, it. it there isn't a next week, right? I got to wait another month to do this again. So, um, for him to get a win certainly is is very cool and and good, good for him. And hopefully it leads to, you know, more opportunities for him. Uh, you just never know. Obviously funding is such a big part of, uh, rides nowadays. And so you want to see guys make it on merit and, and you're seeing, um, you know, obviously with some rumors going around about Josh Berry, you're seeing guys that you know are, are making it the old-fashioned way still able to do it as long as they perform so it's good to see how did you spend your rainy weekend in dover well i didn't do much to i mean honest. you wake up on sunday right and you i mean i feel like you got to wake up as if you're gonna race but you know you're <laughs> probably not gonna race. right i i slept in uh a lot <laughs> you know as much as i could but you know you can hear the rain you know that you're not go anywhere the first thing i do is i hear the rain in in my my room and my bus is as dark as it gets like i I have it frigid 66 degrees um if i'm there's no window in the back there right there is but i i I black it out okay so i have the shades all the way down 
Um, I, I'm a cold. I love sleeping in the cold. So if I had it my way, I would sleep between 64, 65 degrees. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, I can't always have it that low. So it's pitch black. I hear the rain. First thing I do is grab my phone, look at the radar, and I'm like, this is not going to happen. And then luckily, NASCAR pulled the pulled the plug pretty early to allow uh, some of these team guys to go back home. I, I, I talked with you debating, like, should I go back home? And actually, the weather looks pretty good in Charlotte. But I've done this before, and it's just like, by the time you load up, go home, you, you get here, you spend a few hours relaxing, you go to bed, then oh, then you got to wake up early in the morning to go back to the racetrack. It's just not worth the travel. So uh, first thing you did was group text a, a bunch <laughs> yeah. of us. He's like, found an escape room. So uh, we went. I wasn't overly impressed with that one. It had too many too many things to it where like, okay, you're the flashlight guy. I'm the power guy who can... Each person had an ability. Everyone, like some, ability. Yeah, if you had eight players, every person had an ability, right? And one player w- was able to kill another player for five minutes and then it gives you an answer. Like, I, I, I'm more about the puzzles, right? Than I am the just, well, the tricks, so... Yeah, but so we did get our name on the. Yeah, we set the the, the week. weekly record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's still something. Yeah, I, I don't know how many people go through their weekly, but Hamlin in the vest. Should <laughs> should have been Denny when I was go, driving oh, back to track. Right. Denny, in, Denny the in the vest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's of, right. of all the people um, who've been consistent in our in our group, because we've done like three or four of these, how would you power rank um, their abilities? So so you got me. Let's, we can add yeah. Larson to the list because he's been yep. a handful. We can add Austin to the list. I'll be honest with you. Austin is more useful than <laughs> I would think. <laughs> Nothing against Austin, but he's – and Austin's a guy that uh, is – you always see him in any uh, promo where I'm in a, in a fight or something. Austin's always in the picture. He also works with me and Ty now, so he was he's in the promo at Martinsville pulling Ty away from Sam Mayer. But Austin uh, – yeah, he's he's more useful than I thought for sure. Uh, certainly, I think that you know you've got so much experience. I these. don't think I'm very good at all. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm very good at all. But I, you know, there's just few things if you can contribute. There was a few members that were just kind of chilling and not doing much the <laughs> I whole feel time. Like that's just that's what happens by default in these things. Yeah, so you got to have somebody willing to take the bull by the horns, though, and like, okay. All right, everyone, stay in order of the steps. Let's not get out of order because you start getting out of order, you're you're never gonna figure it out. But you get an hour to get out of the escape room. This one was about uh, Nikola Tesla. Yeah, and how do you turn the power back on this room? Blah blah blah. It was not very high on my list. No, I agree. Of the of the handful that we did, I I think that one was at the bottom, if not towards the bottom for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, we did actually have a race today. We finally, so we rained out yesterday. Uh, we, I woke up a nice sunny day here on Monday. Um, I love the, the Hasbulla, um, Instagram and <laughs> Twitter post you did. <laughs> I just, I, I laugh every time I love them. I, and so I, I wish I could meet them, but, uh, yeah, I thought that was funny. And then we, we, we go and we have a race. And so what he posted was basically a list of mo- wins on Monday. And I think I had four wins on Monday. Can you, do you remember them all? I think 
a handful no. of Daytona wins. Yeah, I think a couple of them are Daytona. But no, I don't remember all of them. I think uh, one of them's Martinsville, so that I'm just missing one. But so two Daytonas of Martinsville and something, something else. else. So and, and I really liked my chances today, especially after the first couple runs where I clearly had the fastest car. Um, but unfortunately, we just uh, didn't do a good job, uh, you know, executing on pit road and just lost uh, a lot of spots. We we actually had one very good pit stop though early in the day the where first one yeah the first one was like we went from like eighth to fifth or something like that and i was like oh I, hey we do that with how fast my car is Whew, we got something but it just went way downhill from there and uh each stop was uh we, we bled a little bit so or a lot i should say but it was good to see you know there was a lot of talk about uh tire wear was it going to be a concern after practice there was a. Uh, it's interesting you see when Eric Jones spun the dust coming off of the tires. So instead of it laying black marks on the track as he slid across. This is in practice on yeah, Saturday. There, there was no black marks. It was just the rubber turned to dust. And, and I believe that's a lot of what our tire issues are, you know, with building with the tire that we really, really need to compete and, and make the racing super good is that, you know, there's been new laws that have come in, into effect that has, you know, taken away some of the ingredients, some of the chemicals that um, Goodyear used to build tires for decades and decades, you know, because of you know, environmental reasons and whatnot. So it really went through a transition probably about 10 years ago where all of a sudden we were, we would come in after the, after practice. And instead of there being clumps of rubber underneath the hood of the car and it sticking to everything, it was just dust that the tire was powder that was all over the car. And we're just like, what is this dust? Right. And so unfortunately that's what we have now. And so that's, it, it makes it harder to rubber in tracks, uh, it makes it harder to build a tire that lays rubber and you know, the tread goes down and, and also gets rid of heat and energy but also falls off. Like it's, it's very hard to build the tires that we used to have just because of laws that, that Goodyear's handcuffed by. Um, so I just think that, uh, we were obviously concerned. We could only run about 13, 15 laps in practice before everyone's right front or right rear was just shredded. Um, but this is what I was talking about last week. We're talking about Goodyear needs to feel super nervous leaving a tire test. Will this tire make it or not? Because we saw, we went 60 some laps, uh, on, on the race on Sunday or Monday today and never had an issue at all. So that just tells you how much rubbering in a racetrack matters to tire wear. And, and what do you see the winter race 50 some lap left side tires. So it's just, um, they just don't wear as much as they used to because of that and the rubber in the racetrack. So, so I'm curious, go back to Saturday in practice where you had guys spinning out and, and, and whatnot. Is that because there's no uh, rubber on the racetrack. Or, no, I think what is that the reason that, for that. So I noticed most of the wrecks were in turns three and four. Um, I think that's probably their right rear shock bottoming out. So uh, basically, they go into the corner, and if the speed that they simulated is 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 slower than what it actually is in real life, and they go out there, and that since the track is green, mm -hmm. it's faster. They drive in the corner deeper. Their car has more travel, which means it goes gets down closer to the to the concrete. Well, the shock bottoms out, 
And so the right rear uh, load or, or the, the right rear spring goes to an infinite number that is so high that it just spins the car out. It, it's just, it, it just, it's rock solid. So they lose control. And it looks like the guys that spun out, some of them, you saw their car bounce and then they spun out. So it's just kind of a weird thing like that. So it wasn't actually tires at all. No, I don't think it was. It definitely wasn't tires. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, I thought that today's race was good. We, we had the intermediate package, even though it was a one mile track. I, I didn't notice really a difference in the intermediate to, um, this package, the intermediate package, which reminded me, shoot, I had an idea for these packages that I wanted to talk about this week, but I'm not totally prepared. So we'll talk about it next week, but I'll say this, this just goes back to show that like the spoiler, there's more to than just cutting spoiler off. And so from the intermediate package to the short track package, the spoiler, I don't know, I'm guessing here, but it's probably three or four inches shorter. Well, I mean, think about the big box of, a, of, of the back of a car, right? From the top of the spoiler to the ground. That, that is an area in which our cars are not getting much flow if you're behind it. So if you cut off an inch or two of the spoiler, like the, the actual amount of size that you're cutting down is not that much. So, which makes sense of why we're not really feeling that big of a change in the, in the short track package. Now there's stuff going on underneath that is changing as well. Uh, but I thought that the racing was fine. Now, again, I had a really fast car, so I was yeah. able to pass. Now, if you had a mediocre car, maybe passing was extremely difficult, but it looked like the track was rubbering up and it started to widen out. And this car really actually performs pretty well on tracks that are very wide where you can escape the car in front of you in the corner. So wherever he goes, you're going to go the opposite direction to get some clear air on your car. Then you use the, the draft on the straightaway because these cars are have so much drag in them. There is a little bit of a draft effect that you get. So, um, I thought the racing was fine. Um, uh, I didn't see anything that was kind of out of the ordinary from any other Dover race that we've had. Do you think that, and this is something that I, that I was um, thinking about while watching uh, part of this race, is that because there was no qualifying on Saturday, right, and the, the metrics, the metrics yeah. set the starting lineup for Sunday, that the good cars were not necessarily yep. at the front. So... Therefore, you did have more action on track because good Kyle point. Larson, for example, was a good car. He started mid-pack and was able to drive to the front. You started um, 13th, you know, 13th yep. in front of the mid-pack and were able to drive to the front. Great Kyle point. Bush started on the pole. 100%. He might not have been the best car. No, he wasn't. He was terrible in practice. I mean, he was <laughs> terrible. Both RCR cars were not good. Speaking of not good, both legacy cars were last and second to last. Well, one of them didn't finish the race. So. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going on at legacy for sure, but they are not performing nearly like we thought they were. Certainly they've taken a step back from where they were last year. Um, Noah's just not been, has been non-existent. Um, again, you never know what's going on. You know, why is, and, and even Eric has taken a huge step back in performance from last year to this year. So there's something I don't really know. All we know is their, their performance has fallen off a cliff dramatically. So um, hopefully they get that hemmed up and um, we'll see. But I think there are you know, probably big changes there coming pretty soon. So back on this qualifying topic, how no qualifying actually led to perhaps a better race. 
Yeah, I think that the the randomness of the starting grid certainly causes, um, you know, movement in the field. Um, also, we didn't get a lot of useful practice. So people didn't dial in their cars. And, and I'll talk about that when we're talking about my day is that, you know, you can't make mistakes at the middle to end of the race because everyone starts to get their car dialed in. So if you have a bad pit stop, it better be early because if it happens late, you cannot make it up because everyone has got their car pretty much dialed as good as it can for that weekend without taking it to the garage and overhauling it. So um, the field does get better. The field gets tighter as the race goes on. I think you, if you probably looked at the lap times of the leader to the 20th place guy uh, for the first two runs, I, you know, let's just say on a lap by lap basis, it's four tenths difference, maybe a half a second. By the end of the race, it's probably only two, three tenths between first and 20th. So the field tightens up and it gets better because they make adjustments to their car. So that's why it's so important to control the race on pit road because you you can't afford to just bleed spots every time and expect to just make it up because uh, it passing becomes more difficult. Why, why would did you not have any meaningful practice? When you, when you well, because the track was totally green. We were the first cars to hit the racetrack on Saturday. So it was it was a slight mist anyway, but the track never rubbered up. I think some of the reason is the temperature it was overcast. The temperature was cooler. There was a mist. And you had car you didn't have all 36 cars out there at one time heating up the racetrack to then melt the rubber to then put it to the racetrack. So the track was just as clean at the end of practice as it was start of practice. So, and we and the 11 team even knew that it was like, we're not learning much here. We ran 13 laps and we just said, all right, we're well, right front starting to show a little cord here. So screw it. We're not going to learn anything. This is going to be a total different racetrack tomorrow. Let's just stick to our notes and hopefully uh, we end up, uh, you know, where we think we were. And for the most part of the race, we, we were. So when you do have that, right, you have then competition cautions in, in the race. So today, for example, a competition caution was on lap 20. 20. When you know that that's coming, are, is there a strategy to the first 20 laps of the race? Are you running harder or, or something to try to, I don't know, uh, wear the tires as much as yeah. you can? Or, or Yeah, so you do. You, you do. Uh, well, I, I push harder, certainly, to start the race because you know that you're about to take these tires off in 20 laps, right? So the wear is going to be the maximum that it will all day in that first 20 lap run. Um, he said that our tires looked pretty good, which is pretty common. We're usually not as hard on tires anyway as others. Um, but, but generally it's just the tire where it gets a little bit better from there. So me, I started 13th. I think I made my way to eighth or ninth, something like that on that first 20 lap run. I mean, I was able to just kind of weave through cars at will. And I was like, man, this is, last year all over again let's just not this up um and last year i thought we had the fastest car by a mile um i didn't think we had the field covered this time like that i thought the competition caught up um but i still thought that we had one of the best if not the best cars um out there but again it's all about execution yeah so let's get to let's get to the race as a whole here um we had some drama to start this one off with um, a friend of yours, Ross Chastain, getting into the back of Brennan Poole, which yep. spins him out, sends him up the track in turn one, and then collects Kyle Larson, who's coming around the outside. Uh, 
both these guys had. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I saw it. Uh, obviously, you guys do a good job. You know, I, I don't have always time to completely rewatch the race all the way back, but I get the highlights and get the quotes and and whatnot before I, I, I go on air here. And obviously, Bryn Poole was pissed. Kyle Larson was pissed. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, to me, it looked very similar to uh, the incident with me and JJ at, at Richmond. I mean, it looked pretty much identical. Um, the only difference really is kind of the habitual part of it, right? Is that, you know, Ross is involved again. Um, and, and he's just not going to get the benefit of the doubt simply because of, you know, um, the habitual yeah. <laughs> wrecking, right? And so um, what's interesting is like he never, and I, and I saw someone else talk about this, is that he never really gets the end of any of these contacts, right? It's always just someone else going spinning and it ends their day and he just goes about his own business and, and keeps going. Um, there's only two fixes to this, right? I mean, honest, you know, for me, you know, I chose to get back at him um, multiple times. And, and then finally, you know, one thing I'll say about Ross, though, is he doesn't mind you get back, getting back at him. So why people in the field don't just do it, I don't understand. Because, you know, after Pocono, you know, I, I you know, he, he crashed in the wall there. And he says, well, I deserve that and probably a little more. And then after Phoenix, he comes up and says, well, I probably deserve that. Like, he's not... He's not oblivious to knowing that he's, you know, he, he's owed one, right? So, but the problem is, is that I think these drivers are a little apprehensive to like, well, can I make it obvious? Because is NASCAR going to come down on me? Like, you know, I, I can't, I, I can't admit it in the public. I, you know, it's just a tough balance. So one, I'm getting back to this. One or two things has to happen, right? Either the, the competitors have to just say, it, I am, I am. When I get my chance, I'm going to get back at them, and then I'm just going to say I made a mistake. That's one way, right? Or NASCAR will have to step in and say, like with Hosevar, and say, all right, we've had enough of it. Like, you, you, you do this every week. And I'm not saying he does it every week, but, you know, Hosevar didn't do, you know, right rear people every week, but he yeah. just did it a few, enough times where it's like, all right, well, enough of that. Shit. Like, we're, you, you got to go to the back. And, so that's the only two scenarios in which this kind of gets rectified because otherwise, you know, I don't know that much is going to change in his mind of, you know, it's, you know, the juice is worth the squeeze probably from his perspective because he's never really got caught up in any of these incidences. Uh, it's always been someone else's day that's gotten ruined and no one has really done anything back. So if you don't do anything back, then, you know, and you, you haven't socked him in the nose. You now you'll get 15K. Maybe it's worth that. Um, I probably would have paid 15K and not gotten 25, you know, points and 50 grand. That probably was a better scenario. Uh, but still, it's, it's just there's rules that I think guys are a little apprehensive of, like, how do you handle this? They want us to self-police, but but you can't self-police. No one knows where the rule where the rules are. I find it very ironic that, that, yes, right, over the last couple of years, Ross has seemingly never had to, to pay for any of his actions on track. But it's very ironic that today he's running down Truex for the lead. Uh, was he running him down? I didn't see. He was. He, oh, was. he was. He was catching Truex. Truex then passes Larson, who's a, a lap car now. And Larson just seemingly accidentally was running the same line as, right. as Ross, right? So this gap between Ross and Truex grows. <laughs> but then two laps later, 
Truex hits lap traffic again, and Ross is just back on his bumper. So, like, that effect that Larson had in, in between that battle right. was nullified two laps later because Ross went was back it, to the same Well, it wasn't nullified, right? Because Ross would have been there sooner and maybe yeah. would have had time to work him over, right? So, you just never He lost know. a couple laps in the... Yeah, yeah. And, and every lap's critical when it comes to trying to pass someone late in a run or whatever. Um, it just was funny that he was... He got into, I don't know three tenths or something and then it went back to a second and a half and then he was back to three tenths again. <laughs> interesting yeah I, I need to go back and watch it for sure but it's um you know i thought that certainly those were the three best cars it seemed like through the day i i, I thought i had the best car early then the 19 came on strong then the one made a strategy call on one of the stages to to uh, take two tires he held his track position much better than like well i think Kyle Busch stayed out, and he he ended up getting lapped in in, in thirty laps. Um, but yeah, the the one certainly was very good um, at the end of the race, no doubt about it. Uh, the nineteen was very good; we were good. Um, but yeah, it was just uh, it was going to be shape up to be a, a pretty interesting race, um, but between them. But but yeah, it's you know I I think that you know to 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 put a button on the Ross thing, I think that. You know, unfortunately, sometimes for him, you know, because of the history, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. Like when it comes to like the Dega stuff, right? I thought for sure. Well, you know, my feeling about Dega was that you know the 42 moved up the racetrack and Ross filled a hole, and then the hole closed. Right? I didn't see that really necessarily on Ross, um, but it you're always going to have the spotlight on you. Um, but it it seems like you know it's something that his team embraces and they like it. I don't know if they like it if it gets returned back to them, um, but the drivers just have to, they have to do something or else it will continue because you can't just keep taking it, taking it, taking it. Um, and from what I've seen, he's been very fair when you do give it back to him. So I just think that, uh, you know, I don't think NASCAR is ever going to step in. Um, I don't know that they necessarily think it's a bad thing from their perspective. It gives them a storyline, a rivalry. Um, so it's, it's up to the drivers. You came over the radio I believe it was the end of stage one when you were still good in the race um, and said something to the effect of, of thanking your crew chief for whatever he found here at Dover because for the majority of your career, yeah. you've, you've hated this place, right? What what has Chris found um, that's made you like this track? I don't know what it is, but certainly it started from the very first time I started working with Chris Gabehart and, and the team, uh, him and Sam, um, uh, the lead engineer and Ryan, second engineer, uh, they just really have come up with a setup that even through generation six to now the next gen, they found something that I like at that racetrack. They found a balance that that is home. It's 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 our blankie that we always go back to. Like whenever in doubt, we're going back to this type balance because I like it. And so um, it, whatever it is, it's just really turned the corner. I, I spent. 13, 14 years at that racetrack, just scratching my head, not understanding. That's what I'm wondering. How can you spend 15 years yeah. studying a track and not find it? You know, I, I did, you know, a little bit of self-reflection as well. I started working on my craft at that racetrack as well. I started approaching the racetrack a little differently. So what that meant was that I, I looked at film. I, I studied some of the best drivers at the racetrack. And I said, well, okay, if I have to drive it this way, I'm going to need something different out of my car. So team work on making my car better here because I have to drive it differently. And 
work around that. And so we just started working on getting the simulator and fine tuning it. And so um, I did. It's one of, man, I don't know if I'm going to say it's one of my favorite tracks, but it, it's one that I really get excited to. And unfortunately, we only go there once a year now. But uh, but yeah, it's it's. I appreciate how tough it is. It is it is definitely a physically tough track. Um, I am worn the f out right now. Uh, my back is killing me. Um, but but I do. It's just it's a very technical track that I think that you know some of the best drivers really show up at, which is why you see Jimmy Johnson win there 10, 10, 12 times, whatever he did. Do your teammates take some of this too? Does it help your teammates at this track? Well, I mean, my teammates were some of the you know the flagship guys that I looked at and studied was was Martin Truex and Kyle Busch and I just try to figure you know since I knew what equipment they were in I used that as my tools well it's very hard to compare cars that well it's a little easier now in next gen era but back in gen 6 era it was so hard to compare myself with a Hendrick car or a Roush car whatever it might be because who knows how their car is built they got a whole different chassis some some things are not possible because of, of you know physics and and how my car works versus theirs. But now in next gen era where everyone has the same parts and pieces, it's just about setup really, um, and simulation and driver. I feel like you can compare other organizations a little bit easier. So late in this race, we have a caution um, brings everyone to pit road. Martin Truex, who is leading the race, decides to take two tires. Chastain takes four tires. And then after the race, um, in his post-race comments, Martin's crew chief had mentioned that they took two tires because they knew that taking two was going to keep them uh, in the lead and controlling the restart. Yeah, they, you know, I, they just they didn't have a whole lot of faith that if they went four tires to, uh, against Ross's four tires on pit road, they were going to lose the lead. Is what they, and and listen by the numbers, that's probably true. Ross has got one of the best pit crews on pit road. Uh, he has for the last couple of years. It's you know, one of the things that really didn't get said enough is that William Byron's team, that's why they're up front so much. They hold serve like 90-some percent of the time. That they come in first or second, they're coming out there. And if they're fifth or sixth, they're coming out on the front row. Like, they track position is so important in our game that they are just riding the coattails a lot of times of that pit crew, and that just keeps putting them up front more and more and more. Where on the flip side of it, right, I have the opposite problem where pick stop comes or yellow flag comes out and I just hold my head and I'm like, how many are we going to lose? Like, it's just it's just part of it, right? It's, you know. I mean, that's the nature of the game, right? If someone's come in and gaining two spots, someone's probably losing two spots. Yeah, no doubt. And so, you know, there's, I think that there's probably five or six really, really reliable pit crew guys, pit crew teams where you know that they're up front they're probably not going to make a mistake. They're going to hold serve most of the time, 80, 90% of the time they're going to hold serve. Um, and then there's kind of the rest, every, everyone else, right? So um, it's just really hard to win. It's hard to win, which is why early in the race, you know, Fox is playing my, <laughs> my in car of me, you know, telling Christopher Bell, get the f out of the way. A lot of that was because I was so frustrated that I just went from damn near winning the stage and I'm all over William uh, to, to beat him in the stage. And then I come out eighth in the next pit stop. And I'm like, so then I passed a couple guys. I ran Christopher Bell down and I'm like, he's sliding up and a little bit in the mid corner and I'm jamming my nose in there mid corner to like, Hey, I'm here. 
and he would come down and like he's just trying to keep his position. I was just venting at the time, um, but I was I wasn't as mad at him as I was just at the scenario of why am I back here again and I got to go make another three wide move. I got to pass the same damn race cars again that I just passed, which is why I'm leading the series by a billion on quality passes, evidently <laughs> per NASCAR. So I, it's not a stat you want to lead because it just means you have to, you're passing the same cars over and over and over again. But listen, we're going to work it out. I mean, I've had, I've had really good pit crews uh, throughout my career. Uh, the last couple of years have certainly been a very rough patch for us. Um, I don't know how many races we've lost by just not being able to control the race. That is come in first, come out first, or just come out second or third. Just not these big catastrophic failures that are, you know, 20 seconds, you know, when we're leading at Richmond and 20 seconds like that, it just, you can't overcome it. Like you just can't overcome it. And then thank God there were only eight cars on the lead lap because the last stop we would have been, if, if there was 26 on the lead lap, we would have finished in the 20s again. Chopper would have been pissed. So, <laughs> you, so I mean, listen, it's it's a team sport, and we're going to win together and lose together. I guarantee you those guys are at the race shop. First thing, when you're hearing this podcast, I can assure you our pit crew guys are at the race shop working on it. Uh, they're they're going to find what it is that, that you know can make us better, make us more consistent, we, we got better in the playoffs. Now, we did do a pit crew swap in the playoffs. Uh, but now, so for those who don't know, so I have really Truex's, most of Truex's team from last year. Truex has the 18 team that I had in the playoffs from last year, if I'm right. And the 54 has your original team, my original team from the beginning of last year and the 20 has found their magic sauce and they've been probably the most consistent of all the pit crews at JGR uh, over the last probably 10 months or so. So they've, they've got theirs kind of hemmed up and worked out. I think, uh, you know, we just got some work to do for sure on ours, but we'll, we'll get it fixed. And, you know, I got faith in them. These guys, again, these are the same guys that knocked off. Uh, I don't know what that pit stop was on the first one, but it had to be, in the low nines. So they're definitely capable. There's just little itty bitty things and it doesn't take much to just send one of these pit stops off the rails. Before we button this up, you had referenced old style pit stops in your uh, post-race comments. For those that don't know, what is the difference between old style and the new style besides just one lug versus five? So JGR, it was a big to-do last year. They came out with their own style of pit stop, right? Where both right side changers come around the front of the car. So it allows, by the data, it gets the the engagement on the right rear hub quicker. The, instead of the person having to wait on the car to stop, he runs around, engages the right rear tire. On the pit stop, they're already sitting there waiting for me to come to a stop, bam, they hit it. And so it, there's a time gain there. The problem with what we found with the JGR style pit stops where both come around the front, and then the front changer goes around and is now the left rear changer when they get to the left side. Is that you've got hoses being thrown all over the place. There's just more, you know, let's just pretend that there's 16 things that can go wrong 
in the old style stop where one comes around the front, one comes around the back. With the JGR stop, while it has the potential in the top end to be faster on speed, it probably had 25 things that could go wrong in a pit stop. It just, there was just more things that could throw, throw it off the rails. And so when it was right, it was right. There was many races last year where we, and our, the way we were doing pit stops was kicking ass. And then all of a sudden we'd have ones that were just awful and we'd go to the back of the pack. So you just can't have that. And so when we hired our own pit crew members at 2311 this year, uh, we decided we're going to go. It's obviously been proven that the old style, while less risky, the teams are still doing it at a very fast pace. Let's just take a little bit of the risk out here by going back to the old style. The problem with that is we've been practicing yeah. the other style for a year. So now we're behind. And so it, it's going to take a little time, I think. Um, now, again, some of the issues that I had today isn't related to reps and that it's 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 equipment it's you know human error on buttons or whatever it might be right it's not has nothing to do with which side you ran around the race car it but to get our speed faster which we still need to do that by the way uh through our whole organization it's going to take time because we're a year behind everyone on just practice and on just reps yeah yeah yep well before we move on from that uh i guess I don't know if there's any consolation prize to you, but if you didn't have your 25 points taken away a few weeks ago, you would be third in points right now. Well, we did, so that doesn't matter, Jared. Well, it's just a cool little stat. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> it proves listen, that you're, you're, you're running well, right? Yeah. So, listen, we, we, we do need to button up. We gave props to Ryan Truex and the Truex family, but Martin, he, he broke a long, uh, windless drought. Now, he's a guy that you know was been in position over the last year to you know i'm not going to say his performance has not gone down in the sense of like the results they've, they've had more bad races than you've seen him have his entire time at, at joe gibbs racing but they've also lost their fair share that they probably should have won over the last uh, uh year or so but it was great to see him him and james uh finish the deal off and uh and get and get the win uh today I know it means a lot to to Martin. It uh, means a lot to James and that whole 19 team. Uh, those are great dudes over there. Uh, I talk to a lot of them anytime we you know, are, are parked near each other on the starting grid. So really happy for them. And we get to hang a banner at JGR tomorrow before the comp meetings, which is always good. It's just unfortunate it's not the 11 this week. But you know, I guess we're, we, we can say we, we, we went back hot. I mean, two top fives. In the last yeah, three weeks. You can't define. By the way, way, since I said that, like those are only two top fives, I think, for the year. <laughs> so, so we've obviously run way better, but we've had issues that I've been speaking of all year long that have really kept us from getting our, our yeah. best position. But I said we were hot, not white hot, but hot. Richmond or Martinsville probably should have won that one. Didn't do it. And then... Cooled off a little bit at Talladega, even though we we ran up front all race. So I said we were lukewarm. I'm going to put us back in the hot category yeah. after um, this week. You got two good tracks coming. You got Kansas, which you've obviously have have had a lot of success yeah. at. And we're going to have to be 2311. And then apparently, door. yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like you have you could do something about that if you really wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I know what they got uh, for sure. 
Move. Um, but but yeah, it's uh, this is a fun one. I'm I'm really happy. At least Joe, Joe Gibbs Racing got it for sure. Um, but yeah, I just I uh, I'm excited about these next few weeks, and especially now I got something looking forward to. Um, Travis, why don't you find out while you're sitting over there, who am I going to be matched up with next week? Uh, Haley, Justin That's Haley. Justin Haley. All right, I got this. <laughs> Dear Danny, we've got some questions that we want to ask. Dear Danny, we need answers and we need them fast. We tried to ask Junior, but his answers were lame. And with DBC, it was more of the same. Now we're calling on you, cause you're our only hope. This ain't the racetrack, so maybe you won't choke. Dear Danny. Moving on to this week's Dear Denny, first question I got for you is with Chase's return, there's been a lot of conversation about star power in the sport. So who do you think could do more for creating that? NASCAR, the teams, or the drivers themselves? Ooh, who's responsible for the star power? Huh? Yep. Yeah, I mean, what made it so different back in the day is that, you know, NASCAR was, you know, it was super high on the, when you look at the all the major sports, right? It was football, then NASCAR, right? And it didn't get consumed by social media quite as much. So you had to tune in. You had to go to the race to to watch and see what happened. Um, I think we were probably more accepted by other mainstream media back then um, when you had, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. being in music videos and Jeff Gordon hosting Saturday Night Live. Um, people on Twitter just don't understand, like, well, why don't they do that? Well, why don't we have a docuseries on Netflix? Well, because they haven't said yes. Not not NASCAR. They, they'd love for all that stuff to happen, but the, the platforms have to accept us. Um, and so you got to be more relevant in the sports world, um, in my opinion. So I don't know who's necessarily at fault for that. I mean, certainly, you know, we talked about this when regarding my penalty, you're kind of harnessing some personality here a little bit. And so that's not a good thing. Um, you see some crazy things that some athletes say when they're football players and NBA players or whatever. And, you know, they just, they, they kind of embrace it, right? Where um, it's just a little different in NASCAR. It's a, it is more corporate, right? We, you know, I'm responsible for being representing hundreds of thousands of FedEx associates week in, week out. So I can't go acting a fool, right? So it's just different, right? If our, all of our cars were blank and all of our cover, you know, our costs were covered by NASCAR and teams could just pick whoever they wanted to drive the race cars based off of personality and talent and all that stuff, you probably would see more star power. But it's just different now because we have to represent big companies, right? And we have to, um, you know, they don't like to be on the left side of the road or the right side of the road. They like to ride right in the middle, right? They don't want you to get too far one way or another. So it's it's just different. And, and anytime you have to look out and be a representative for a company, you probably aren't going to show your true colors quite as much, which I mean, as big as FedEx is, that's what I love about them is they've never held me back from being myself. Right. I mean, sometimes they roll their eyes at me and I get the old eye roll from 
Catherine Flea at FedEx when uh, I say something silly or do something dumb. Uh, but in the end, they, they've had my back, and they've had my back for um, all 18 years of my career. And uh, so it's just, but some companies aren't like that. They're not all like that. So that's why you get some of these drivers a little apprehensive to speak out on sensitive subjects. Um, and so I don't know how to fix it, really. I think that um, certainly some of the promotion they put behind Chase Elliott was was big. Uh, we saw some good ratings last week. I thought was that was going to be the first true week of how do we compare because people were talking about the 16% bump from where we were the week before Martinsville. Well, that was on Masters weekend, and it was on a Saturday. The race is on a Saturday versus a Sunday. That's not apple. That's apples and oranges. You can't even compare. But Sunday uh, last week at Dega was the first real comparison. Where it's like, oh, okay, we we do we are regaining some traction here. So uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what the right thing is, but it certainly is going to have to come from promotion and getting on bigger platforms. To follow up on that, do you think? Um, let's say how do I, how do I want to word this? Do you think? Uh, like just pushing more playtime on things uh, adds more test star play. Like for example, your your Domino's commercial last year. Like yeah. why do you think that that took off in the way it did? Like you still hear people say, "Hey, Hamlin, I like your PJs." <laughs> like it, just, it seemed like when it came out, it seemed just like it's just such a because well, Domino's spent seventy two so million dollars on that commercial. Seventy. So the more the more you play, the more you push dollars, it, the more you get. They played that commercial over 30,000 times. It was the most played commercial on all networks. I'm talking about from Oxygen Network to freaking NBC. Like they played it everywhere. You know, played over 30,000 times. They spent 72 million pushing that. But it was an initiative that they were pushing, that Domino's was pushing for the curbside delivery, right? So. That's, you know, that's where they, in, in Domino, people don't know, Domino's is more of a technology company than a pizza company. They're just a tech, they're a technology company that makes pizzas. Like they're very into, you know, how they spend their money to grow their brand. Um, I, I learned that from, you know, watching, you know, Wall Street and CNBC quite a bit about listening to Jim Cramer talk about uh, Domino's all the time, but it is. It's very interesting how they do their business, and you're thinking, well, how in the world did they get a return $72 million for what they spent on that ad? Um, I don't know. I don't know if they did or not, but certainly it, it, it seems like it's been successful for them because they keep doing it. Yeah, it added to your, your star power a little bit. Second question I got, can you dig deeper into the intricacies of a narrow versus wide pit road and how that affects everything going on? They talked about a lot today that Dover yeah. is just a narrow pit road. Yeah, Dover, Martinsville. Certainly, it's not a... So, you always try to optimize pit road the most you can, and that is you know, running all your green lights all the way down pit road, right? Well, what happens is, is that when you pit maybe early on pit road, and I had this problem at Martinsville when I pitted early on pit road, well, I'm coming out of my box, and the 26th place guy is coming into his box, and he's right in front of me. So I have to check up, let him in his box. And then when I pull out, I'm, I'm driving down pit road, and you can't run too wide because then there's no room for anyone to get out of their pit stall. So everyone that comes out of their pit stall from that point on, everyone, it's, 
you do have to let them in a little bit. Like you're just kind of, all right, let's get back to single file here because we can't run two by two because then somebody's going to come out of here and just squish us into the wall. So, you know, it's interesting because F1 has mandated this is the width. Racetracks, you got to figure it out. Like this is the way it's going to be. But at NASCAR racetracks, they can sometimes be 100 foot wide or they could be 10 foot wide, it seems like. So there's no real standard in which we have. And even the pit boxes themselves can range from, you know, a, a car length plus a, a quarter car or a half car to some of them are like two and a half, three cars in length, like three times the size. So it's it's very different and a lot of it depends on the size of the racetrack and and so um we don't have specific set standards for pit road widths or anything which is very surprising considering i mean the first thing we're going to hit is a crew member right probably on the right side of a car if we do make contact and we see some close calls before and even contact so the wider the pit road the, the more room for error we have there lastly what actor would play you in a movie Oh, I don't know. Mm, I don't know. I, I would probably Tom Cruise. That's what my vote would be. I'm not saying I'm like him by any means or look like him, but I I just, you think of Days of Thunder and I think of Tom Cruise. Um, you know, my, my favorite actor of all time is Denzel. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, Denzel's one and Tom Hanks is 1A. So it's very, very close for me. I was, I, I did have time in the bus to watch a few of their movies uh, during the rain delays. But yeah, I just feel like uh, I'm going to go with Tom Cruise. Not a bad choice. Yeah. I could see it. Kansas this weekend, we talked about that a little bit. You have any uh, off-track plans between now and... Oh, when you have a race on Monday, does that has it everything you? up. Yeah. Screws everything up. Now, I, you know, I've got a very, very full week. I'm actually going tomorrow, which is going to be today when you hear this, uh, down in Charlotte, going to do a uh, event with Rory McIlroy at uh, the Puttery in South Charlotte. So they're in town. Obviously, uh, the PGA is in town for um, Quail Hollow this weekend. So me and Rory are going to do a little event. Have you ever met him before? I have not. Uh, that's not true. I have at Michael's course um, uh, during our member-member tournament. So it's so cool. So fairly recently. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he ended up shooting like 10 under or something like that on the final day. But I'm looking at, you know, when you have a golf course, you know, private like Michael's, surely there's, you know, everyone on there is an A-lister, right? My name kind of sticks out like a sore thumb in my opinion. But like you see all these PGA Tour pros that are on the member-member tournament. Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, all these guys it's just crazy to see their names and it's like you mean i have to beat them like how am i supposed to do that luckily it's handicapped so i probably get like 20 some shots against them because i'm uh, a five or six handicap so um but yeah i have met him there he's way smaller than you think way shorter but he is um he's 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 yeah. got some build to him but people say that about me all the time when they see me in person they're like oh i thought you looked way bigger and i agree on tv i look like i'm six three 190 pounds when when actuality i'm 511 and a half 160 yeah no rory's i've been to a few pga events rory is definitely a guy when you see him hit the golf ball in person notably off the tee oh, it's like stupid 
Uh, oh, oh, that's why he's good. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. It's amazing the power that that they get out of being that small. Usually, you would think you know with golfers, the the more size they have, the more they're gonna have winding up that club for club yeah. speed. But he is a uh, man. He's he's good. That'd be interesting. I don't know what competition we're doing, but um, putting apparently. Putting. I think that'd be a good guess anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I the way I see this is right is that there's only upside for me. No matter what it is, right? Like there there is going going to be a putt I'm going to make that he is going to miss. But he will never run a lap faster than me around a racetrack ever. Ever. So, it's not equal. I always said that about our sport. It's it's the one sport no other athlete will be able to come in and beat us in any way capacity. Zero. But there might be a three-pointer that I might hit that, you know, playing horse that Michael Jordan might miss, right? There's there's that chance. It's a legitimate chance. But no one will ever get in a race car run faster than me around a racetrack if you're in another sport. So yeah. that's what makes our sport unique. Anything else you want to add to this before we, before no, we wrap just, it up? No, looking forward to Kansas. I got a busy week. I'm traveling all over the place. Uh, got the event with Rory. Then we're going up to D.C., um on wednesday and then i'm going up to pennsylvania on thursday so uh putting putting some miles on the old plane this week so gonna be a busy one um look forward to talking to y'all next week and uh make sure you give us a follow yeah at dirty mo media on across all social medias you can follow him at denny hamlin across all socials and me at jared d allen before you sign off here don't forget to like share follow all that stuff with this podcast. Wherever you listen to podcast. See y'all next week. See ya. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.